Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Episode 418 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday here in late September. And I am joined, as I often am, by Scott Coleman, my co-host on this fine program. Scott, the Braves have six games left in the 2023 regular season. How are we feeling on this fine Sunday? Hey, Brad, we have made it. We're to the final week. I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that most fans are ready to just get this show on the road and get ready for some October baseball it was not necessarily the greatest week of news for the Braves, just with some uh, injuries that have popped up. And of course, there are a million things to talk about here on the show. So we'll jump right in and, and get going. Yes. So we will obviously get into the the biggest story by far is the injury concerns to Max Fried and Charlie Morton. Uh, before we get to that, which is coming very rapidly the Braves won their 100th game this evening on, on Sunday, September 24th. They're now 156 this season after a four and three week against the Phillies and the Nationals. Back to back 100 win seasons for the first time since 2002 and 2003. So literally 20 years ago. That's a, obviously a pretty impressive thing. As we speak, the Dodgers are playing and they're tied. So we don't know. The Braves will be either in a three and a half game lead for the number one seed or a four and a half game lead. If it's four and a half, it's going to feel like it's pretty much over. But uh, anyway, the Braves are in a good position there. Um, They still have a good, a good position when it comes to the world series home field tiebreaker race. If that matters, if it ends up mattering, knock on wood that it does. Um, And then we'll see who they of course could face in the NLDS between the Phillies are now like almost certainly going to be in the wild card race uh, either as, as the, uh, as the four or five seed, all that stuff. D-backs, Cubs, etc. But all that said, Scott, it, it's been a good season. We should at least acknowledge that at the top of the podcast. Um, what we're going to talk about is pretty much exclusively focused on the playoffs, which, as you allude to, is where Braves fans seem to be focused at this point. And for obvious reasons, like the games don't not matter at all. It's not spring training right now, but... The results, especially after a steadying performance this weekend, uh, the panic level kind of went down on the field and kind of shifted to the pitching situation. So uh, are you ready, Scott, to discuss the actual biggest news, which is the combination of the injuries to Max Freed and Charlie Morton? Yeah, I, you know, last week on the pod, I thought you and I, you know, we, we talked about just how special of an accomplishment it is to win a division title. And Of course, that is not the end-all, be-all goal for most teams, especially a team like the Braves, who have now won it six years in a row. But 100 wins in a season is really, really special. And 
I know we can get caught up in the minutia of the day-to-day of 162 game seasons and the inevitable ups and downs that come with it, but a hundred wins is really special. And you just said it's really been about 20 years for the, the last time the Braves had back-to-back hundred win seasons. So really just a, a great team all year long. I know there's been some frustrations and the the level of play has tapered off a little bit over the last couple of weeks as they have clinched up the East. But I, I think it's important just to just take a, a quick moment and just look back on how much fun and how good this team has been really since day one. Absolutely. And uh, again, I think it helps that they did not have a losing week. They went four and three. That wasn't you know incredible, but they uh, right ship a little bit on the field and, it is what it is. We've talked about it ad nauseum, and we, I'm sure we'll talk about it again in the next couple of weeks about you know the randomness of the playoffs. And that just kind of comes with the territory. Even when you are the best team in the league, you do not have even a plurality chance of winning the World Series based on uh, history, based on projections, and just the way that baseball playoffs are structured. But it's been a nice year all the way across, and we kind of acknowledge that at the top of the podcast. With that said, let us focus on the injuries and the news there. So we'll start with Max Fried, who... I think you'll agree is the more impactful concern, even as the perhaps the champion of the Charlie Morton fan club. I think we can all probably agree that Max Freed is more important than Charlie Morton, even if his injury does not seem to be maybe as long lasting as Charlie Morton's. So Freed, of course, uh, we talked about it last week, even had sort of the hot spot issue, potential blister stuff. They tried to avoid that. And look, he's on the IL as of now. They are saying all the right things about him starting either game one or game two of the NLDS. Um, they had the option to use Strider, and we talked about this already. We'll talk about it again now, I'm sure, about the sort of the setup for rest days in the NLDS. But Free has talked about managing the blister issue and dealing with it. He is, of course, experienced in this area, which is both good and bad, I guess. It's more of, I guess he's maybe more susceptible, but also has done this before. He said he, sh- he should be good to go. That was a direct quote from Max. Had a, had some fluid drain. All that said, like there could be some rust concerns. Where are you at mentally with this thing now? Because again, they're saying all the right things. And I think you could obviously write Max Freed in pencil to start either game one or game two in about a week and a half. But at the same time, you don't love that there's a, a sort of uncertainty with a uh, sort of your unquestioned top two starting pitcher in Max Freed. Yeah. So of course, many thoughts. I will, I guess we'll try to go in bite-sized pieces other than me rambling for five minutes, which I could probably do. You know, many thoughts. I think my, my first take is like, I'm not, I'm not going to come on and say, well, actually, Brad, here are seven reasons why it is a good thing that Max Freed has a blister. Um, I'm not that delusional, but at the same time, you know, we're talking about a blister. He, Max has dealt with them over really his entire career going back to the minor leagues even. And I mean, it's a blister, man. I mean, I know folks are naturally a bit jaded from all of the injuries from last October. And I totally get it. I do like Braves were amazing season. And then three fourths of the rotation were seemingly hurt or very sick overnight. And we're talking about a blister here. Now I'm not a doctor. I don't pretend to be one. I have not seen Max's finger, but the, uh, I, I would say that two plus weeks for Max to get the blister under control feels like a reasonable amount of time. And he's getting treatment every single day on this thing. It's not like he's just throwing on a Band-Aid and some Neosporin and seeing what's happening in a couple of days with it. He's getting treatment daily. He mentioned there's some laser procedures they can do on it and then special ointments as well, which helps out the skin. So my concern about a blister having two weeks to heal is, 
is not a a lot. I mean, it, it's not great. I wish he was perfectly healthy, of course, but I am not super concerned about it. And of course, there is the rust factor, although Max just this season alone missed months and then came back and <laughs> might have had his best start of the season, actually, in his first start back in Chicago after missing all that time with his injury. So uh, that that's probably my entry point to say I am not overly concerned, but uh, by, by no means is it great when your most playoff tested pitcher pops up with the blister two weeks before the, se- the, the playoffs begin. Yeah, I'll echo all of that. And yes, I mean, just, just for the timeline's sake, he will, even if he went in game one, we'll talk about that in a second as well. If he went in game one, he would have more than two weeks between starts. And the rust factor is notable, but that's not an incredibly long time between starts. Um, I think he, you know, again, he said, I kind of trust what he is saying more than probably anybody. I don't think he's, Max is pretty candid by professional athlete standards. He's not going to hide anything here. I, don't, I wouldn't imagine. So I think if he thinks he's going to be ready, if Smith thinks that he's going to be ready, if Alex says the same thing, I feel like he's going to be there. Um, notable, because they have another guy who we could describe as an ace-level pitcher in Spencer Strider, they also, if they wanted to, or maybe even just regardless, could give Max an extra couple days and have him go in game two. If that were to happen, game two isn't until October the 9th, Scott. We're talking about still two weeks plus from today before yeah. game before game two. So that's a lot of time. And just as a reminder of something we talked about, I know we have and Stephen has and Chris has and Sean has, but there is a bit of a quirk with the NLDS schedule this year where there, there are two days off in the series. So essentially any team, um, but especially a team like the Braves that has the week off basically before that can light up their rotation to have their top two pitchers go as many as four of the five games without having to push anything with regard to rest. Like for instance, as an example, Strider can go in game one and then be ready to go on four days rest in game four. And the same could be said for Freed in Game Two and Game Five. So that'll, that'll be more important in a second. We talk about we talk about Charlie Morton, but all that said, like there's a lot of cushion here. And as of again September 24th, I don't want to jinx it. I'm not particularly worried because of all the things that you said. Because of the fact that he is experienced, he's been here before. Um, he's just really good. More more importantly than probably anything here. And the the timeline. If he if, if this happened next week. If this happened, you know, maybe a week before, I would be more concerned. But when you're talking about like two and a half weeks between starts, um, the rust is almost more concerning. And even then, he's a guy that's just like, look, anybody can roll out of bed that day and not have their best stuff. That might happen and you wouldn't love it. But that's just kind of the randomness of baseball. I'm not particularly worried, honestly. Yeah, no, I would echo that. And, you know, one other point to Brian Snitker and I think Freed both said that over the next two weeks, it's not like Max is getting shut down. It's not like he can't physically pitch, which I think is what Strider, you know, when Strider blew his oblique out last year, like he physically couldn't throw the baseball uh, for a while. That's that's not the situation. It sounds like the Braves are going to be able to wrap up his finger, I would imagine, pretty extensively and keep his arm going which is, uh, I believe, the exact wordage they use, quote, keep his arm going, end quote, over the next two weeks. So it's not a situation where Max isn't going to pick up a baseball and they go, all right, buddy, go get him. It seems like he's going to be able to throw at least a couple of bullpens over the next two weeks, uh, You know whether he, he is the game one or game two starter. I mean, I, I would be pretty shocked if he's not out there. Again, of course, you and I are not privy to Max's finger or the training room. 
but it it all seems like signs point to having him healthy. And you know, I want to just reemphasize the point you made. And I think maybe this has kind of gone under the radar with the scheduling. Again, you only need three starting pitchers in the NLDS, which is going to bring us to Charlie Morton here in a second as well. You really only need three starters because of the days off. Game one starter will pitch regular rest on game four, and the game two starter will pitch on regular rest in game five if necessary. Yep, that is a important thing to drive home. Uh, it's also important as we transition a little bit to Charlie Morton now, because, you know, I'm sure people follow at least some of us on Twitter. And I know Stephen and I were having this conversation pre-Morton injury about how the reality was it didn't seem like Bryce Elder was going to be needed to start a game in the NLDS. Now, that's no longer the case. But the reason why that was the case was because you only need three starters. And, you know, throwing this all into flux was that right kind of right after the Max Freed injury happened. Charlie Morton is now on the IL with a finger issue. And while there was some confusion about playoff eligibility uh, and even the rules and all that stuff, Brian Snicker kind of doused that anyway by basically ruling him out for the NLDS. The Braves are not even posturing. He's not going to pitch in the the NLDS, according to Brian Snicker, on Sunday. The exact wording from Snit was, quote, best case scenario, he could be ready for the NLCS if we advance. So there you go. Um, we don't know too, too much about the severity or what's going on. It's his, it's his, it's an important finger on his throwing hand, obviously. So we don't know much at the moment, but because, you know, no matter what you think about Morton or Elder, they were going to use Charlie Morton as the game three starter, barring something weird. And now he's not going to be available for at least that. Now, NLCS is a different story. We'll come, I'm sure we'll talk about that even now, but um, what's your reaction to this? Because again, he's not as he's not as good as Max Freed. He isn't as uh, important through that same lens. But having a guy who is battle tested, and uh, you know, losing a at least for that one series, a guy who you were going to start in at least one game is impactful potentially. It is, and it's really a bummer. To the timing could not be worse. I think the good news is it doesn't seem like it's a severe injury. The Braves have been pretty vague with their reporting around it. Uh, you know, it's not like there's a you know a torn ligament or anything in his finger and all of a sudden or a tendon, I guess, where it's like, no, nah, he's done. Um, it doesn't seem to be that way. Maybe there's some posturing going on behind the scenes. But as you pointed out, the fact that Snitker came out and just flat out said we they, they don't expect Charlie for the NLDS. Um, I, I think there is a loophole where if there was an injury, they could actually petition the commissioner's office <laughs> to make a, a roster swap. But even that seems far fetched to me, although I guess not. Well, the, yeah, just, just so while we're here, the Braves um, did kind of confirm that loophole does exist. There was I guess there was a change in the CBA too, to the point where they because he was on the IL, there was some confusion about whether he could be the first off the IL to be a replacement for an injury. Um, and, you know, the Braves are not above a phantom injury. I think they probably acknowledge that, and we probably have on this podcast. But um, even though the team has sort of acknowledged that maybe there is a pathway to get him there, if something were to happen to clear a roster spot for him, Snit was uh, kind of, I don't know, definitive is not maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe that's too strong. But Snit saying that, I can't imagine he's going to pitch in the LDS. It's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So without really having a full prognosis on the finger, it really is a bummer for Charlie, who... I mean, he's just had an, a really solid year, right? Maybe not, not the ace level, but I think uh, his struggles have been overblown at times. He really 
had a couple of bad starts there around the All-Star break, but since then he had been pitching really well. So let's hope the Braves continue to advance and Morton gets to make a start or two or three in the later rounds of the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, get ready, Bryce Elder. It, it seems like <laughs> Elder would be the game three starter. I guess it is not like a set in stone concrete lock. The Braves could opt for an opener. They could opt for a bullpen game where Elder would be involved. Maybe they want to only use Bryce for a couple of innings. I don't know. That's all very much down the road and and probably heavily dependent on how games one and two of the NLDS would go. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, Bryce Elder very firmly in line to make a, a playoff game start, which I don't think anybody had on their bingo card six months ago. Yeah, and look, I'm contractually obligated to do this. Uh, Charlie Morton, 10th in the National League among qualified pitchers in ERA, 16th in Fangraphs War. That's that that's your that's the guy everybody hates for some reason. Yeah. Anyway, Charlie Morton. Everybody. You can do uh, a whole lot worse <laughs> as your number three starter. Charlie Morton is good. Um, anyway, no, you're you're right. And obviously, the more important thing here is how they handle this. And you did a good job setting that up because we don't know for sure that they're gonna go with just you know plan on Bryce throwing six innings in game three. But you know, clearly he's gonna be the primary option right now to pitch game three. And if it got desperate, if you're down 0-2 or something, maybe you get aggressive or whatever, but um, it became a talking point. I know uh, I shared some numbers that you tweeted out and Bryce's uh, first half basically of the season, second half kind of splits, not like not, not all-star break, but actually like the actual half of the season. First 17 starts, he was really good. Of course, um, the metrics did not align with that underlying. And he of course was in line for some regression. I think even the, the biggest elder fans kind of acknowledge that. And it it's happened. He's not been very good now for a while. Now you could say, um, and I try to give some context around it. Like since August, he has had five bad starts and four good ones. So like, he's not always bad, even the last four starts um, too good, too bad. Like that's very general, of course, but it really is like kind of a roller coaster. And um, his stuff is, you know, not the best. The slider is fantastic. And we talked about all of this stuff before, but there's some concerning underlying metrics with elder. The walk rate is up. The ground ball rate is down. The strikeout rate is down. Stuff you don't want to see for a guy who already has a limited arsenal. And I think everyone, again, even the biggest zealot of Rice Elder would acknowledge, he's not, not not really a stuff guy. His slider's awesome, and that's kind of it. So, look, I'm, I'm, I know we've kind of maybe earned the reputation of being quite skeptical about Rice Elder. But even with that said, we have said on this podcast, like, he's still a functional starting pitcher. Like, he's not terrible by any means. It's just that, um, you know, I'll raise my hand on this and I'll, have, I'll be happy to be wrong. I will be uncomfortable when I see Bryce Elder on the mound in a playoff game as in, in the first in the first inning. And look, there's yeah. always some levels of discomfort, but my level of discomfort will be higher with Elder than it would have been with Morton. That's kind of the baseline for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. And we know how good Elder was early in the season. But the fact is that since that midway point, his ERA is 5.4. And everything else underlying suggests that's accurate, right? He has a 5.37 FIP, uh, not even a 2-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio, which is going to be tough for him to manage. He is getting less and less ground balls. But all that being said, I mean, it's not like they're chucking out some. I mean, they're not sending, I don't know, A.J. Smith-Shaver out there to the Wolves or, or <laughs> yes. Darius Vines to to make a playoff start, right? This is not, this, this is not Dylan Lee starting a World Series game. <laughs> right, right. And uh, that was a... That was a perfect, you're reading my mind here. Um, you know, going back to the 2021 World Series, 
I mean, man, the Braves had like two starting pitchers who they rolled with that entire way. It was Freed and it was Morton, right? I mean, that that's they they didn't really have a, a stable of five starting pitchers. They were just rotating out there every single night. So I think that's just my way of saying, uh, for me, they have to have Freed and Strider healthy. That that's it, right? Flat out, if if Freed's blister isn't healthy or it doesn't you know doesn't improve or whatever you want to say, and or something else happened to Strider, I mean, for me, that's the season right there. If those two guys are healthy, I think the Braves have a real chance to have a really special year, no matter who is making the third start out of the rotation. Of course, bullpen games become very popular this time of year with matchups and all of that. Um, so, we're, you know, we're doing a lot of looking down the road here, but I guess that's my my roundabout way of saying, sure, you wish that Bryce Elder was pitching a little better, but, you know, you look around at some of the other teams in the National League, it's not like there is a stable of aces in the yep. third spot for all of the potential matchups the Braves could see. That's right. And, you know, we can... We'll do this, I'm sure, the offseason about like what Bryce Elder's future is and what he actually is and all this stuff. But for now, he's in line for that game three outing. And look, this would be the case for anyone. This is even the case for Freed and Strider to some extent, but especially guys that are not your aces. The leash is going to be short on anyone. That'd be the case for Morton. I mean, it's the playoffs. I know people kind of know this, but it gets kind of driven home each and every year. The first couple of games in October, people kind of just are shocked by the way particularly starting pitchers are handled and how short some of the leashes are and how, how early some guys come out of the game when they're not pitching well. Bryce can be on a short leash, and that's not because of the what we think about him. That's just the reality of the playoffs. Uh, unless you are an ace, your leash is going to be very, very short on the way the, ga- the games are managed and full bullpens and all that stuff. So we'll see how it all goes. We'll preview that that series when we know who the Rays are going to play and all of that. But, uh, yeah, for the NLDS um, and just for uh, – one more clarification. It isn't as if the Braves can just rely on Freed and Strider to pitch all the time in the NLCS. Like it's kind of uniquely set up for them in the NLDS. Um, the days off start to get less and less as the, as, the, as the playoffs go on. So yeah, they're going to they have to figure it out. They're going to hopefully, you know, let's just for a second, not we're not assuming this, but if <laughs> for a moment we'll assume the Braves win the NLDS, like they're going to need both guys they're going to need morton they're going to need elder they're going to need depth they're going to need as we'll talk about in a second kyle wright's auditioning for a bullpen role um there's still a lot of uncertainty it's just that the nlds is like i would say again uniquely set up for a team that has two aces and the Braves have two aces so that's kind of nice it really does help and yeah i mean if there was a, a schedule where the braves had to have a fourth starter then i think the morton injury i would be like sounding the alarm bells even more than I am now bullpen game. Yeah. Right. And again, it's, it's not like you can't win them. They happen a lot in the playoffs. You mentioned the short leash. I mean, famously Ian Anderson got pulled with a no hitter in the world series. So, uh, you know, the, the, it is a different baseball game come October. Um, and we'll just have to see, but I think, as I, I said, I just want to reemphasize, man, it is all about Max Freed and getting Max healthy as long as he's rolling and Strider's rolling in a short series, I'm going to feel really good about the Braves. Anything can happen, of course. That's baseball. It's not a computer simulation, right? You you get lucky or you get unlucky with a couple of bounces and the games go a certain way. But, man, I mean, you just it's a bummer for Morton. And if it's Bryce Elder at some point, let's hope he's ready to take the ball and, and do a nice job out there on the mound. We agree. Uh, Freed is much is certainly topic A 
on all of that. And at the same time, to make the kind of run the Braves want, it would be very, very helpful to have Charlie back in the NLCS for all of his experience and depth and all that stuff. Um, before we move on to kind of briefly touch on the games from this week, I mentioned it once already, but Kyle Wright now is uh, a reliever in capital letters for the rest of this season. According to Brian Snicker, he's auditioning for a bullpen role, probably more of a bulk Bullpen roll, long reliever is kind of maybe the other way to say that. Uh, he pitched three innings today, for example. He could be an opener down the line. What do you make of that as the uh, world's leading Kyle Wright enthusiast, Scott? I am all for it. I felt like this was probably the path for Kyle. He has gotten some real big league reps in over the last few weeks. Even if it wasn't a, quote, starters role, he, of course, was only working a couple of innings. And it seems like each time he goes out there, he gets a little bit better. The command was not there at the very beginning, which I think is only natural for a guy who basically has not pitched in 2023. And I think Kyle's stuff can really play up in a bullpen role in a multi-inning situation too, which could be really valuable. He pitched well on Sunday for three innings against the Nationals. I think gave up one run, although... It was probably more of the unearned variety. It was a play that Ozzy probably should have had, was crisp in the other innings. So he's going to get an opportunity, I think, with the final six games to make, I would assume, two more appearances out of the bullpen, multiple innings of work. And I, I think, Kyle, as long as something doesn't go weird over these next, um, over this next six, you know, six days and two appearances or whatever it's going to be, I think he's going to find himself in the playoff roster. And I, I would imagine he's going to get his name called, especially if they do go with Elder to start. You know, it might be one of those situations where Kyle is just kind of stirring in the bullpen, ready to go at a moment's notice. And, uh, you know, that that's you can do a lot worse as your kind of de facto fourth starter slash bullpen emergency guy because he's been successful at the major at the major league level. And I think his stuff can play up, especially if he knows he's only going to throw 40 or 50 pitches for sure and you know, it is kind of a reminder that the Braves are in the situation with Elder in part because Kyle Wright is, it's kind of been a lost season for Kyle Wright in a lot of ways like he's he's supposed to be the fourth starter you know what I mean um coming into the season like he was supposed to be the third starter in a lot of ways along with Morton uh but it's just not it's kind of been a lost year injuries even performance he's not been great when he's when he's pitched but I think clearly there isn't a guy on the team right now other than Wright that you would say is like the definite long reliever. Like, you know, McHugh's filled that role in the past. He's kind of had a lost year in a lot of ways. Jesse Chavez is back, but he's not, he's more, he's more of an opener than a long bolt guy. Um, and Wright's not like, I think part of this is that he's not fully built up to throw 80 pitches or 90 pitches or hundred pitches. But I mean, the pedigree is there. The stuff is there. If he's got it going, you know, you could certainly argue on behalf of whether he's opening a game or just like coming in the third inning or whatever, like th that's a useful piece. So if they see what they, what they want to see, he seemed to be very upbeat today talking to reporters after his after his appearance, I should say, not almost said start because he always starts, but he wasn't starting. Um, but yeah, it's I think that he seems on he seems to be encouraged by it. They're all on the same page. Snit seems to um, value that potential weapon. And, you know, it might not work. We have to acknowledge that like maybe he, he might not be great in that role, but it does totally make sense to me because they don't really have a guy that like is pigeonhole for that role. Yeah, I think that's well said. Uh, you mentioned Colin McHugh, who's actually rehabbing in Gwinnett right now. But man, I just I don't think anyone has real confidence in him. And I say that as a fan of Colin McHugh's. Same. It's, it's just been a bad year. Just never found it. He was had the shoulder problem early in the season and just never really rebounded. Um 
you know, and, and I think it's great to have Jesse Chavez back. We, sh- we should talk about him. He came back after three months, had the micro fracture in his shin, which is crazy because we were kind of like, man, it's taken a while for Uncle Jesse to come back. <laughs> he had a uh, hairline fracture in his shin. So he is, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a 40 year old man, Scott. It is what it That's is. That's right. He's not a spry young chicken, though. Oh, man, we're going to go off the rails for a second. Did you see Jesse uh, not take the bullpen cart on Sunday night? I, I did see that, and I also saw the Twitter reaction. People were begging Kelly Kroll to ask him about it. It was I never saw the resolution. I don't I don't know if he got asked about it because we started recording the podcast before, pretty much right when the game ended. I'm looking now to see if I can find anything about it. But yes, everyone was really uh, sort of uh, in consternation about this. I'm not they sure pulled that bullpen card up for Jesse. Uh, Brandon and Jeff in the uh, broadcast <laughs> booth were so excited for Jesse. Ch- I mean, who else? Jesse Chavez, like Mr. Cool roll out of the bullpen in a rain-soaked Sunday evening doubleheader at the end of September. If not now, when, Jesse? Um, but uh, no, man, great, great to have him back. He is going to be very much in the playoff roster mix. Just so versatile, can cover multiple innings, and just goes out there and throws strikes. And look, man, it may not be the sexiest stuff in the world, but if there is one thing you cannot do in the playoffs is walk people. You start walking people in the playoffs, you are going to get cooked. He just goes out there and throws strikes, and m- more times than not, he is successful, and it really is just a, a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. And on the other side of the age spectrum, there was a lot of speculation, uh, dare I say, earnestness with the potential that first-round pick Hurston Waldruff could be on the playoff roster, but that dream died today. Uh, your guy, Justin Justin, Justin Toscano of the AJC, uh, squash those dreams by basically just flat out saying he's not going to be on, on the on the playoff roster. Uh, I'm sure Justin got that from somebody with the team. Um, I, I'm not surprised, nor should anyone be surprised by this, but it did feel plausible because he moved so fast and because there is a record of pitchers, especially college pitchers with great stuff popping up this time of year, but the Braves are taking the, uh, the long-term approach with Waldrop. So I want to say that out loud. Uh, that dream is dead for now. Yeah, um, man, you know, the hype machine on Waldrip really got going over the last couple of days with the pitcher injuries. It's like, man, could this guy really go from pitching in the uh, College World Series playoffs to the play, the MLB playoffs three months later? Well, one thing I will say, he was never going to start. People start no, talking about him no. starting. And I'm like, okay, that was never that was never going to happen. I could at least see a potential for him to be in the bullpen if sure. they just got real aggressive. He was never starting game three of the LDS. Before. No, it was people, uh, no. going, people going crazy. Absolutely not. But uh, nonetheless, a fun story. He has had a very quick rise through the minors, which is what you would expect for a, of course, you know, high, high end co- uh, collegiate pitcher. He looks a guy awesome. who I think maybe if it's not 2023, I mean, if, if you're telling me in a year that Hurston Waldrop is pitching in Atlanta in some capacity, I, I could see that he has this sure. stuff. He could play up in a bullpen role. Of course, long-term you hope he's a starting pitcher. Um, yeah. I mean, a, a fun, even if he is not going to be a playoff option, it, a lot of fun to talk about and man, his stuff is wicked. He, he has to, the command needs to get better, but for, for a guy who fell a little bit in the draft, at least from where the pundits thought he might go, I mean, just a really fun prospect for the Braves to have in the system. Yeah, he's 21 and uh, going to be hopefully a monster for a long time. 
this will probably be the last time that you and I talk about him for a couple of weeks, <laughs> just because there's a lot, there's a lot else going on. But uh, that news came out today, and I think it was at least uh, good timing and good reporting from Justin to sort of get out in front of that. But there you go. Okay, Scott. Well, we've solved the Braves pitching all, right here on this podcast in the last there 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, everything's fine, everybody. Okay. After a break, our partners on today's podcast will have more on this week and look ahead to what's to come and all of that. But stay tuned. Be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Scott, our partners on this podcast network, Sean, Chris, and Stephen, ably covered the Philly series in depth. So I'm not even going to talk about that too, too much, other than just acknowledging again, because it just can't be said enough, Ronald Acuna is an alien, and uh, he is a history maker at this point. He's on his way, hopefully, to 4070, but he's already the uh, the founding member of the 4060 club. And uh, I wrote this down. At one point in a 17-game span in September... He had 10 home runs, six stolen bases, and five strikeouts. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> he's, good. He's, he's, he's ridiculous, man. Uh, that's all I got for the Philly series. Unless you have anything else to add. I don't know. No, not really. I mean, just you mentioned Ronald. I mean, for all of the attention, and rightfully so, that Mookie Betts got in August, Ronald has taken that to a different level in September. Um, we should do the MVP odds, Brad. We would be remiss not to do them with only a week left in the season. I've been looking. Something. I've been looking a lot, and uh, they're kind of off the board now, which is probably means that Ronnie's going to win. Yeah. Um, but you know, I the last time I saw, he was a rather large favorite. And look, I will be the first to acknowledge. I think these betting odds can tell you a lot of stuff. They don't. It's not perfect because, in particular, baseball awards are voted on by thirty people, and that thirty person sample size can get a little bit wonky. So it's not exactly a total hundred percent lock, but it does yeah. feel like Ronnie's going to win. Yeah. If I had to guess. It seems like it. Um, so yeah, just a really special week. Had two home runs on Tuesday night, which of course set him up for Friday when he got his 40th, which was just awesome. 
you know, it, it was nice. Just a crazy stat that came up, and then we'll move on. The Braves lost on Monday night, which was their fourth straight loss. They avoided a five-game losing streak and have now avoided a five-game losing streak every year since 2017. Like we're, we're talking hundreds of games since then. And the Braves have not lost five in a row, which in a game like baseball is not easy to do. Everyone's going to have a bad week or whatever. But uh, yeah, thankfully, no five-game losing skid. It felt like the good vibes got back on Tuesday. And even though they lost on Wednesday, it, it was pretty much a, a toss-up extra innings affair. Right. That that five-game losing streak avoidance stat may not seem that – I mean, it's already impressive, but I believe it's the longest in the league by like three-plus years. Like no other team is even close to as long as the Braves have gone without losing five, five games in a row. So that makes it even more impressive than it is. Um, okay. So from there, they do win three out of four this weekend against the Nationals. Uh, Thursday, they cruise to a lopsided victory. Ozzy Albies had a big game with four hits. Uh, Friday was probably marked – uh, I should say probably definitely marked by Ronnie's history making performance. And then of course the injury to Morton. And then they had the, the sort of the preemptive rainout on Saturday, which I was interesting because they called it off on Friday night because of the tropical storm coming through you and I, of course, then had to rearrange our schedules to record this podcast much later into Sunday. Cause they had a double header today. Um, and then jump out to you from those two, from those two wins. I mean, they were kind of not ho-hum, but they scored 19 runs. And anytime you can go ahead and just put up numbers like that to kind of offset any questions, because again, that was Freed and Morton and the injuries where that we already talked about, those both happened on those two games. And then they just scored yeah. enough runs and didn't matter. Yeah. A lot of cold water was poured after those two yeah. wins. Um, Not exciting. Yeah. I mean, just we, Ronald Acuna Jr., man. I mean, this <laughs> kid, 40 home runs on Friday, very appropriately hit it to lead off the game which yep. he has done so many times to just and the fifth player in history in a really special group Alfonso Soriano who I went back and looked at Alfonso Soriano's numbers that dude was incredible for a couple of years I knew he was good but I looked at his numbers and was like damn this guy's awesome Alex Rodriguez Barry Bonds and Jose Canseco so anytime you're in a group with those four individuals really special and I believe of those four, the most stolen bases in the season was like 46. So Ronald has blown past that by a mile. I mean, I, I would sure think that he's going to – is he at 68 stolen bases now? Um, I believe. So I, I would sure think that Ronald will try to get 70 out of the way, hopefully early in the week. I don't necessarily want him running a ton this last week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't want him doing anything crazy. You don't want him to, you know, I'm not even going to put it out there, but um, it'd be really cool for him and really special to get two more stolen bases and uh, hit that 40, 70 club. Agreed. And uh, just some numbers on the first inning. I agree with what you said about it being appropriate. Ronnie has the highest qualified OPS of any player in the league this year. in, in the first inning, about 1100, he has eight, Leadoff home runs this year. He has 18 stolen bases in the first inning this season. Uh, so basically, he's been the best player of all time in the first inning. And the Braves, uh, coming into today anyway, this is the MLB.com. I think it's just through, through yesterday, or maybe it's, this might be updated now. Uh, the Braves have a team OPS of 980 in the first inning. That is more than 80 points better than the Dodgers, who are number two on that yeah. list. So. And there was that one stretch where, remember the first inning where they had like, was it two weeks where they seemingly scored like three runs in the first inning? Every day. Every single night. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was uh, a lot of fun. Anyway, 
rain out on Saturday, which led to a double a double dose of baseball today. They did lose the opener. Um, I was encouraged, and probably people that listen to the podcast know that um, I, I I kind of think the Braves play their guys a little bit too much sometimes, and they rested Riley, Ozuna, and Arcia in the early game and had Ronnie DH in the early game, and then actually Ronnie sat in the in game two. So all he did today was DH once, which I think is probably a good idea for uh, as important as he is. Um, Alan Winans pitched the early game today. He got the call from Morton. People were kind of surprised by that because they thought it, was, it probably would be Kyle Wright until the Braves announced that, that Wright's going to be a reliever now. I thought Winans was fine. Uh, he, he was solid-ish. Yeah, yeah that changeup is really nice. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think, he, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think Winans will probably make one of the starts this upcoming week just because the Braves are going to want to be careful with the almost certainly. Yes. Yeah. A couple of healthy guys they have left in the rotation at this point. But, you know, I think Winans has shown he he can be a possible fifth starter even next year. I mean, uh, of course, we're, we're looking very far down the road, but I've been impressed. That changeup is really nice. And like like everyone, it's all about command with him. But that's not by any means exclusive to Alan Winans. Uh, yes, that's to Captain, say the least. Yeah. Captain Obvious. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So other than that, in the early game, uh, Sean Murphy homered uh, with a broken bat, which was kind of just funny to see. You don't often see a home run trot with a guy holding like the shard piece of the bat in his hands. Um, hey, that you was, know what? He needed it too. He needed that, man. I mean, I think it's gone a little under the radar just because the Braves have been so good. But Murphy's really been pretty pedestrian over the second half of the year and he had a couple of hard hit balls and didn't have anything to show for it this weekend in washington and then had the broken bat home run which is uh pretty crazy I don't, it's not impossible it seems like that happens every now and then but i mean let's hope this is the emergence of sean murphy again because that dude was unbelievable in the first half He just hasn't had any luck in the second half of the season. I don't know if he's tired, if he has a, you know, a nagging injury that he's just kind of playing through or, or if it's just, he's cooled down, but let's hope that Murphy has a good final week and then goes into the playoffs. It can be an impact bat because we've seen how good he can be when he's swinging it well. Yeah. And there's some noise there. I know Steven did a kind of deep dive on this on, uh, on the podcast we named later a couple of weeks ago, I feel like about the catchers and, you know, Murphy's at least kept walking, which helps his overall numbers to look a little bit better, but he's been bad up to death too. His bad up in the, in the second half is 198, which is even for a guy who's fairly slow is that's not going to sustain. He's better than that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm with you that maybe that wakes him up a little bit. Uh, Darnold's been struggling too. So we'll see what they get from catcher. And also he's, he's playing less. There's this whole, we don't have time to do it tonight, but there's this whole conversation happening on the internet about like whether Murphy should play more or less now versus in the playoffs and whether he should play every day. And all this, people are convinced that he's actually playing worse because he's playing less, which I don't know about any of that stuff. It's just, it's all kind of narrative-y, but uh, it's a good problem to have two, two good catchers, but Murphy is, just better than Dorno in every way, I think. So yeah. uh, that'll be an interesting talking point next week or two weeks from now as to like who catches because it really should be Murphy every day that he can that he can. And that's not a shot at Travis. Who, Travis is awesome. Travis is the best. And I, I want to say this one more time. Travis is the best backup catcher in the league, and he would be a starter for fifteen plus teams. But he's not as good as Sean Murphy. Yeah, I tend to agree. Not to do a full deep dive on the catcher position and, yeah. and roster and the playoffs and all that, but I. I think when push comes to shove, they will have Murphy out there basically every game. I mean, maybe if there was a situation where they had a night game and then had a really quick day game turnaround because of the TV schedule or something, then 
maybe, but um, I, I'm inclined to believe, especially now that the weather has cooled down in most parts of the country, it's not like he's doing back to backs in a hundred degree with humidity. So I, I think that I think that Murph will be out there just about every game as long as the Braves keep going in October. Yeah. Uh, speaking of guys who had been, had been struggling, who are maybe breaking out of it, um, I I, gave, I guess I gave the positive jinx to Orlando Arcia this weekend. I uh, dig up, dug up dug some numbers up about him. He had a 40 WRC plus for about a six week period, and it kind of did not get talked about much. Um, he really regressed. I think his season long numbers kind of got back to like league average, which is still totally fine for what he he's been asked to do, but he had been well above that coming in. And Arcia, of course, promptly this weekend. I mean, and I mean, immediately after I tweeted that had six, had seven hits in three games. Yeah, so stay hot, Brad. Uh, um. <laughs> go ahead and wake, wake up Orlando. And listen, I, I've, I've long been a, I won't even say doubter. I've long been a skeptic of Arcia's bat, but he's been, he's been great this year. No argument here. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't even trying to dig for it. I was just like, wait, he's been, I, I was, I was actually looking candidly. I was looking for something else. And I looked down and I was like, wait, Arcia has been that bad. Cause I had no idea. I honestly had no clue. He had been that bad, honestly, yeah. for six weeks. And he just, I, I, I think he looked great. And our fearless leader, Chris, pointed this out. Uh, he always kills the Nationals, which I which I remember, but I, I, it didn't quite click with me. That I was like, oh, yeah, all he had to see was the Nationals. Everything's fine. That's right. Yeah. So hopefully with the four games this weekend and then three more next weekend at Truist, that gets Orlando going. Who else, Brad? All right. So you're going to start tweeting daily. Who else are we going to get going? I yeah, think we, Eddie. We need, we, need, we, need Mur- we need Murphy, Arcia. And yeah, Rosario had that scalding Eddie's, hot stretch and he's cooled off yeah, since then. Yeah, he's cooled. Um, um you know what, Scott, if we had more time, and maybe, you know, I'm going to ask you this now because, you know, we're off the rails. Who cares? Um, somebody asked, I think both of us, and I replied, I don't know if you did, um, about the, I, I think it was maybe because of the RCA struggles about w- whether you might, like, think about playing Nicky Lopez when Elder pitches because Elder needs ground balls. And I was like, it's probably mm-hmm. a little bit too, it's probably a little bit too aggressive because, you know, RC is obviously their guy. Like, even though I'm a little yeah. skeptical of his bat, like, I, I don't know how bad would RC have to be playing for them to start Nicky Lopez. It, it, it probably would never happen. I would guess. But yeah, I mean, in practice, I don't think it's going to happen. I will say though, man, anytime Nicky Lopez gets into a game, he, he rocks, man. <laughs> at least one like really, really good defensive play. He rocks. You know, when that trade happened and he, you know, like he grades out from some of the advanced metrics as like the best defensive infielder in the majors the last couple of years. Obviously, I haven't watched a lot of Nicky Lopez. I was like, ah, I don't know. Sometimes those metrics are kind of funky. No, they are. They I'm are right. absolutely right. He is very, very good. He had a play up the middle, like against his body. He fielded a ball that was hit right behind the second base bag and then threw across his body a perfect strike to first base. I mean, that was a play that like only a couple of people on the planet can make. And he made it look fairly routine. So, um, yeah, to answer the question, I think RC is going to be their guy. But it really Agreed. is a nice, nice weapon to have off the bench for, you know, whoever is needed on the infield that Lopez can go out there and play that spot. Yeah, I just like to answer a mailbag question every once in a while. It was directly asked to the two of us. I was like, you know what? This would be a good podcast fodder. Anyway. Yeah. Um, a man of the people. Absolutely. So game two, they win it comfortably tonight, despite some shakiness from Iglesias in the ninth. Um Matt Olson had a near home run. It was like inches away. Um, Pilar homered. And how about Forrest Wall going deep tonight? Shouts to Forrest Wall. Hey, Legend. good for him, man. He he has been around the game for a long time. 
I hope he got the ball. I couldn't tell where exactly it landed, but I yeah, hope... the, the dugout went nuts. By the way, did you see the dugout shot? Those guys yes. are going crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been. I I I saw someone pointed it out, but like the number of organizations that Forrest has been with over the years, just kind of your. I mean, there are a lot of these guys out there. Your four A players, guys who are probably too good for the minors, but obviously not good enough for the major leagues in a in a big role. So good for Forrest, just a really cool moment. He crushed it too down the line. It wasn't like a little gimme. Uh, he hit the ball really well, and just you just love to see stuff like that. Yep, and he could be valuable in the playoffs, as we talked about before, defense, and most importantly, his legs, because he is quite fast. Okay, Scott, before we get out of here, let's briefly look ahead. We talked about it a little bit a few minutes ago. Uh, the Braves play the last six at home. They play the Cubs. After an off down Monday, so that's Tuesday through Thursday, and then they play the Nationals to end the season. The only pitching probable listed right now is Bryce Elder on Tuesday, which makes sense. He's in line for that. It is totally uncertain after that. A couple of just broad questions here to answer. Bryce could pitch again Sunday on full rest. Would we want him to pitch on Sunday? Uh, Will Strider pitch again? Because we know that Free won't. We know that Morton won't. But Strider is healthy. But do you want to risk him? They have guys like Winans. They have guys like Darius Vines. Um, there are six games to fill. And at this very moment, we know for sure one of them. <laughs> so uh, any thoughts yeah. on the way? That, and look, we don't. this doesn't matter that much. They probably don't have to win more than maybe two to guarantee home field throughout the playoffs. Three for sure. But I mean, they got to pitch these innings. And you don't want to kill your bullpen either. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I had a frog in my throat. Um, it's a good <laughs> question. Um, to answer, I, I would not pitch Spencer Strider. Like I, flat I, out. I kind of, I kind of agree. Yeah. I would not bubble wrap him. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would not risk pitching him next weekend. You, you cannot afford a Spencer Strider injury. Um, Elder on Tuesday. If, Depending on the state of the bullpen, I think I would be in favor of of not pitching Bryce Elder again on Sunday, which would be his regular rest. Now, I say that as someone not having to manage this roster and figure out how they're going to cover nine innings every night. You mentioned Winans will make a guaranteed start. I would sure think Darius Vines would. They okay, that's, a- that's, that's three then. Yeah. <laughs> <Out of> six. <laughs> You could probably do like a designated trio of Jackson Stevens, um, Jesse Chavez, Michael Tonkin, Kyle Wright. I mean, maybe you try to even cover two games with those guys. Like you just say, okay, Jesse, you're covering three innings and Jackson, you're covering three innings. And then tomorrow Tonkin's covering three and Wright's covering three. Yeah, yeah that, that could probably be a world. And then you just kind of see where the game is. I know that there, there's advantages, of course, to being the number one overall seed. But ultimately, man, I just don't care enough to risk injury to Elder or Strider, especially when those two guys are going to be needed even more so than they were you know, 72 hours ago pre-Freed's blister and pre-Morton's finger injury. Right. And, you know, Sean can cover this later this week, so probably can see it in Chris. There are some creative ways that they want to create some roster spots to bring up the likes of, you know, Schuster or Dodd or whoever it is, Smith Shaver. Like they have guys that can go to in Gwinnett if they want to just like empty the clip this week. Um, and that might be the the path. I mean, I'm not saying that will happen, but it certainly could happen. How much do they want Wright to pitch? Because I know he's auditioning, 
But does that mean he pitches two more times this week? Yeah, that sounds innings? about right. Yeah, um, that's yeah. that makes sense to me. I think probably because um, you know he's the, in that in that role. Tonkin's been pretty bad lately, but he's pitched multiple innings before. Jackson Stevens might just be the guy they use on that Sunday to throw as long as he can possibly throw, that kind of thing. Um, we just don't know. But I thought it was at least worth throwing out there the uncertainty because, you know, again, we're raising our hands. We, d- we don't know what they're going to do. I am pretty confident it'll be Elder, it'll be Winans, it'll be Vines for three of the six. And the other three is uh, I, I I don't have any idea. Yeah. And maybe and maybe, Strider, maybe they want to keep Strider on schedule and they pitch him, but pitch him for three innings. Like, I'm not saying they couldn't do that. I think we agree, sure. you and I do, that I would not do it. But if you do it, I think just like very minimal, keep him stretched out, obviously, but you don't want to, um, you know, push him hard, I would say. Yeah. And yeah. we'll see. They're, play, they're playing, you know, the Cubs are pretty good. The Nationals are not. And not that it really matters that much again through that lens. And we're not writing it off. Like, they do need to not go 0 and 6. I think personally, that would be nice to see. But uh, staying healthy would be good. I'll also be intrigued to see. Especially, I think when and if they clinch home field throughout, um, you might see nobody play Sunday, like, or Saturday and Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, you might have the ultimate Bobby Cox lineup on Sunday, just not playing anybody. In, I would in, be in, in all for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just get everybody off, off their feet. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and they have time off. We, we should we say they also have almost a week off. So there is the, uh, I don't want to do it now, Scott, because you know what's coming. There's going to be the, no matter what happens, there's going to be the rest versus rust debate with this team. It is going to happen. It happens every year if, for, for the team. Any, it's not just the Braves. For whatever team earns the buy, they're going to have almost a week off. And then if they have a, a slow start in game one, it's, oh my God, they had all this time off and they haven't been trying for so long. And, you know, Steven did the whole rant on the podcast. I'm not sure if you heard it this week. I know you started to do it today too. Uh, even just the reference of the Phillies last year, who the Phillies were terrible in September and they were suddenly awesome in the playoffs. The momentum thing is just, it's just not real, but it, that won't stop anybody from, from arguing it. I promise you that. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies who went on their crazy run last year were 14 and 17. So below 500 to get into the playoffs last year. Um, it, it's all narrative based. If there was any real data or statistics behind, well, if you do this in September, you go farther in October. There's really none of it. You mentioned the rest versus rust thing. Now, sure, you can easily make a, a narrative that, oh, the Braves and the Dodgers were the one and two seeds last year. They were rusty. They came out slow. They didn't play well. Well, the Houston Astros had rest. They went something like 11 and two on their way to the World Series and just crushed people. They they swept the opening round. They or I think they they lost one game combined between the DS and the CS. So magically, they didn't have any rust. I, mean, I, have, I, have, I have a question for you, Scott. Are you yeah. ready for this? Mm-hmm. Would you rather have to play an extra series? Uh, to no, have, to I have a chance to, that, that, that you have a chance to lose because this is baseball, and any team could lose a best of. It's a best of three. You could lose. The Braves could lose to the A's in a best of three series. Yeah, it I happened mean, they, this year. We saw they it. Did it. Yes. So, um, like, why, why would you want to play? I, I understand no one's going to actually argue that with straight face, probably, but that's what you're kind of arguing when you're arguing the rest versus rest thing. Because, look, the alternative is you don't win your division and you end up playing an extra series that you can lose. Like, I, I, I don't, I get it. Like, yeah, I think in an ideal world, if you ask Brian Snicker, would you rather have two days off or five days off? He would probably say two. But, like, okay, like, I, I, well, what are you going to do? There's no, there's, there's no alternative here. Like you just have to take the, you earn the, you, you earn the buy, you take the buy, you're, you're fresh, right. you're, you're rested and you try to do what you can do. Yes. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I know the one more thing and then we're, we're going to go long. We're, we're long <laughs> we're at fine. this point. We're fine. Um, you know, I think the Phillies are a very well constructed team, especially for the playoffs, but you just nailed it. There is no guarantee the Phillies are going to win a best of three. They might, the, yeah, the they're, Diamondbacks, they'll, they'll be favored, but not by a lot. Yeah. Diamondbacks with Zach Gallen pitching game one. I mean, the Diamondbacks with Gallen are as good of a one game team as there is. Uh, the Cubs with Justin Steele, he's been phenomenal. He might be the National League Cy Young winner or, or Gallon for that. Also, matter. also the Cubs have a better run differential than the Phillies. Yes, yes, right now. So, if if I had to bet my life savings on who the Braves will see, if they're the one, I would assume I would bet that it's the Phillies because I think they're a really good team. They're playing well now, but it is hardly a guarantee that they are going to see them. And I mean, it, for, we we could have a an hour-long discussion about rest versus rust and how long of a layoff is too long and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, man, you just go out there and you play the game and you do your best and you try to win. And if they win, it's rest. And if they lose, it's rust. There you go. That's exactly what it's going to be. And uh, I know for a fact that all of the preamble that I always give and that you give on the show about how random the baseball playoffs are all goes out the window when the emotions of the playoffs begin. And, and I get that. Like, we're going to do the same thing. Like we'll, we'll be high and low. Like no one's going to say that we're going to be thrilled if they, you know, if they're having some, but even right now I'm looking at the fan playoff odds as we speak and they are objectively high on the Braves and they give the Braves a 26% chance to win the world series. That's a high, high number. Yeah. Pre pre playoffs. And even then they give the Braves, <laughs> this is even crazier. How about this Scott? Right now, without knowing the opponent, they give the Braves a 61.7% chance to make the NLCS. So, yep, that tells you all you need to know, folks. Fangrass believes strongly, if you look at their numbers, that the Braves are the best team in the league. And when I say the league, I mean all of Major League Baseball. And they still give the Braves a 61.7% chance to win the first round series. <laughs> Baseball, yeah, buddy. I mean, yeah, it, it's... You know, this is not the NBA where the heavy seeds win, you know, 90, 95 percent of the time. Right. We there may be no fan base in Major League Baseball more attuned with heartbreak come playoff time than the Braves over the last 30, 35 years. Right. Some amazing teams and they've won the World Series two times. Let's hope it's going to be three. Uh, but it's it's a funny game. Anything can happen. Every year, there's some random team that makes a deep run that nobody really saw coming. Two years ago, it was the Atlanta Braves. Last year, it was the Phillies. Four years ago, it was the Washington Nationals who, like, you know, they were terrible for for the first two months and, and got hot. I mean, it seems like more and more the, the game has just become, for better and worse, very, very random come playoff time. And you just hope that you string together a couple of weeks and and see what happens at the end of it. That's right. And we'll not do that every time. Maybe we will. I shouldn't lie to people. We'll probably do it every podcast that you and I do for the next week and a half. Um, yeah. Okay, Scott, some housekeeping at the end of the podcast. This will be a relatively normal week on the podcast network because the Braves are still playing games. Uh, the week after is the weird week because the Braves, again, have earned the bye. So we don't exactly know what the schedule is going to look like. We'll do some sort of preview of the wild card series when we know who the Braves are even potentially going to face. That'll be interesting to talk about. And uh, I'll talk about all the news. We'll probably get some updates on Freed and Morton next week sometime. But the best thing you could possibly do 
is to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. When it comes to Apple or Spotify or Google, etc. And if you subscribe, you will have the show delivered to you in your feed when it drops, no matter what. So it's a great time to do that. Once the playoffs arrive, if you're a new listener, you may not know this, we are going to be doing, at a bare minimum, we will be back every single game after the game is over within an hour or two with some content on this podcast feed. Even probably off-day content too. There are five of us that are regular contributors to this podcast network. Myself, Scott, Sean Coleman, Chris Willis, and Stephen Tolbert. Some combination of us will be around after every game, plus more. So it is a great time to subscribe to the podcast network. We did a uh, we had a huge growth in the playoff run two years ago. We definitely are appreciative of that. It was a lot of fun to do all those. Last year, it was much more short-lived, unfortunately, for all of us. But we're hoping for a long playoff run and uh, hoping to sacrifice some sleep in, uh, in service of podcasting. But please subscribe. And if you know any Braves fan friends, please share the podcast with them. It's a great time to go ahead and do that in advance of the playoffs. And I know we'll always have our biggest audiences then because everybody's watching and I totally get that. But uh, that's my plea at the end of the podcast today is, is, is to subscribe, if only to feed Scott and Scott's wife. That's right. My, <laughs> we will starve now. Um, I kid. We, uh, <laughs> we appreciate all the support really all season long. It's been a ton of fun doing these, even when the Braves can't win on Sundays. Although they did win one today, which was nice. They did win a game today. I was ready for the joke. I had it all written out. I was like, guys, we're going to do this whole thing again with Sunday losses, and they won tonight. So That's right. Go. Thank goodness for the Sunday win. Uh, but yeah, as Brad said, a ton of content coming, of course, all throughout the playoffs, and then hopefully a deep, deep run. I, for one, am willing to sacrifice some sleep to record podcasts late into the evening hours. Let's hope for another magical run. Let's hope for a good final week at Truist. It will be Dansby Swanson's return home. I would imagine he will get an enormous ovation on Tuesday night. Maybe not quite the one that Freddie Freeman got last year where it went on for like four minutes, but I am sure <laughs> the Braves are working on something to salute Dansby as they should. Uh, so the Cubs and then finish up with the Nationals. God, let's hope everybody stays healthy and let's hope we get some good news on the injury front with progressions from guys like Freed and maybe even Morton later in the week. Uh, but yeah, Brett, we'll be back at some point next weekend and uh, last week of the regular season. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast tonight. Again, stay tuned for the Daily Hammer this week as well as the podcast can name later this week. We'll have more from the combination of all five of us in the coming days and weeks and months and all those things. So subscribe, five-star feedback, tell a friend. We'll see everybody next time.